Hello and welcome. How are you, Pascal? I am very well. Thank you very much, Johnny Ross. So delighted. This is episode three of the 90 Day Website Mastery podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, if you're listening right now, we are live on LinkedIn. We're live on YouTube. We are live on Facebook. If you're on the podcast and listening, welcome. Thanks for being here. Uh, this is celebrating the launch of our new program and the completion of our website best practice webinar series. We wanted to find a way to carry on and continue to share more advice and insights about making your website work harder for you and for you to feel proud again of your website. We often hear these stories of people not being proud of their website and we want people to feel proud of their website again. So we're here to help you achieve that. Each episode uh, will compromise of four segments. Uh, we've got the you ask, we answer, we've got the website stories and we've got the website engine room. And then we finish with the website call to action. The website uh, you ask, we answer, the first segment is where We've had a question submitted by the community or we found something online and um, we then answer it for you. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Thank you very much, Johnny. So, so far with regard to the You Ask, We Answer, we've been exploring website design. But the second most popular keyword on the internet is website manager. And very recently, I was working with a client where they've got quite a large team of people doing looking after the content, the sense of marketing function, customer service. And there was a lack of clarity about whose job is it to be the website manager. And interestingly, if you do the research, the third most popular question on the internet is what are the responsibilities of a website manager? Just, just fascinating. People are wanting a level of clarity, Johnny. When you look it up, when you put that sentence into Google, the page one of results, which is where people tend to focus on, as you know, is, is interesting. So the very top, sadly, we've got some very old-fashioned views about the website management is the duty of the IT department, which is <laughs> kind of where perhaps we began in the 90s because this was perceived to be a tech endeavor. Then, you know, as you go further down the page of results, this is the idea of, well, the the duty of a website manager is to make a website look pretty, which is also very amusing. And then as you go further down, which is fascinating, it starts to get a bit more mature. I think we are, we are almost kind of tracking the evolution of the, the mindset where people are saying, well, the role of the website manager is to uh, support the business goals and to find a way to support the activities of of the business and i would say we're much closer to what i believe to be the responsibilities but for me it still felt like you know this individual or group of individuals would be in receipt of some form of instructions or, or, or requests from the organization where my view johnny and i'd love to hear your your kind of perspective is that you have to be taking the initiative you have to be the instigator of those conversations, and you've got to work your way around the um, different department divisions, no matter the size of the organization. People could be multitasking, but you've got to speak to sales, you've got to speak to marketing, customer service, ops, finance, and so on, and find a way in which you can present uh, solutions and options born out of your own research on audience and website design trends, but you have to be the instigator, and I think that's probably where we need to be in 2023. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember actually um, writing a brief. In fact, I've written a brief many times for what a website manager does. 
And uh, when I first set out, the the number of points that ended up on this list was just huge. And it's like, it's just, it's so many things, isn't it? Mm. And it it, it definitely shouldn't fall, sit in IT. I mean, that's the worst place it could sit. And it is about being fluid and liquid and and, and understanding the business and molding. And every business is different. So, you know, some businesses have a PR department, some have a marketing department, some have a a sales department, and some don't. And and, and the, the size of those departments can vary hugely as well. So it it is about being the gel of really, I mean, you, you, you know, as a website manager, you are ensuring that the face of that website is absolutely getting the correct message across the correct look, the correct feel, the correct brand, the correct tone, the customer service, everything about it. It's about making sure that, you know, that retail shop on the high street, as someone walks through that door, they're feeling the culture. And, and mm. as a website manager, that's, you know, that's just one of your many jobs. But how do you write that down? It's it's tricky. And I think what you need to be there for is, is the, um, you know, your role is to lead a project team with a representative from the different departments. And again, it could be a very small organization where there's only three of you working, but you have to be hosting and facilitating website meetings. And the, the one lesson that we want to share with people as well, because I got to a point with an organization in Northumberland engineering firm where the departments were actually very good at sharing information with the person in charge of the website. But the one slight error, and I, I kind of understand it, is that they never, they never heard back as to what had happened to their information. So very important, if it is you're part of the team running the website, you've got to go back to your colleagues and thank them, share the link of where that information is, explain why perhaps it looks differently to what they had in mind. But you've got to keep that loop going and host um, a kind of structured uh, meeting with agendas and more. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely. And I can tell that you're you're kind of thinking through all the many instances where you've had to chair um you know chair those meetings, sorry. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, and and it is it's about handling all those different conversations but then making decisions on okay, well how does the what does this mean? What how does it impact the website? What do we need to do? Do we need to look at data? Do we need to, you know, there's just so many things and and making sure that it's all tied up and tied together and and it's you know, there's there's lots of there's conversation two way. Uh yeah. always and and every argument that you need to put forward that that leads to a decision is led by your understanding of the audience. And, and that to me has been perhaps the longest journey we've had to do because for a long, long time journey, you know, many of the websites were done uh, to satisfy the, the, the preferences and the wishes of the boss or the, of the senior team. And little by little, the argument was, well, actually, based on our audience insight or even uh, looking at the data that we've got now, we believe that we have to make those changes for that reason to achieve the result that you do. And your preferences no longer have any kind of um, impact on on what we're going to decide to do moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, but but then as you start thinking about it, as I was saying at the beginning, when you if you do start putting a list together of what a, what what a website manager you know is it, it does or is in charge of, there is there are just so many endless uh, aspects, um, and so it's. Um, it's trying to it's trying to have a, a real handle on this and having uh, a process where you can on a rolling basis check 
contents up to date, check pages are working, check there's no errors, check there's, you know, and, and it might be that you have some kind of process that, you know, this month, this quarter, here's a checklist, here's a to-do list. You might have a, a daily to-do list as well. Um, and that rolls and it it's a big job. It's a big job. And listening to you, it's almost, almost the, um, the equivalent to being a facilities manager or a building manager. And the reason why I want to say that is because I want to wrap up this segment before we move on to the next one with this idea of if you are the, the leader of this organization and therefore somebody else employed by you or could be a freelancer is the website manager, their, their role is not to do everything. Their role is to make things happen on the website. So there will be elements of delegation, participation, and so on. So I want to be clear that it is not the, the role of one, two, or three people to be solely the one to roll their sleeves up and do things on the website. They can, of course, access expertise, such as ours and many more. And that's why I'm thinking it's more like being a facilities manager where you, you inspect the building, so to speak. You find ways where there's maintenance required or repairs, and you bring in the experts if it's outside of, of your own kind of skill set. Yeah, yeah, and and there's nothing wrong with with challenging the leadership team or uh, or you know just taking it back to the business and saying actually you're better qualified to write this, you're better qualified to to whatever to brief this, but I'm telling you we need it or I, or I'm going to make it happen for you, or I'm going to implement it, but I need it to come from you, and there's nothing wrong with saying that. Uh, who would have thought a simple question like what are the responsibilities of the Western manager could bring so much in our information? But that, that's the whole point. But, you know, what I'm saying is, sadly, for our customers, Johnny, if they were to Google this stuff, they would get so much misinformation. So yes. keep listening yes. to what we have to say. And in <laughs> fact, time to move on to our next segment, the website stories. Now, in this segment, today and I react to a piece of content, could be a podcast, could be a video, could be an article, a PDF, something that helps us essentially share more insight what it means to run a website. And today, we've chosen for you a video, video produced by Phil Pallon, a wonderful brand strategist, social media expert, and digital communicator, and who shared an equal passion for websites and the power of website and online communication, Johnny. And he recently produced, published something on YouTube called Five Things or Secrets to Improve on Website in 2023. Now, interestingly, the term secrets, I always think, could be sometimes overplayed. But actually, if you look at the definition of secrets online, it could be information that is poorly explained or rarely known. And I think in that respect, Phil is doing an amazing job in reminding us about the five things. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go through the five things, and I can't wait to hear your reaction to the things that would improve, I suspect, the um, the impact of the website to your business. Number one, be clearer. So on the homepage, above the fold, answer the question, who are you and why should I care? In two sentences, can you capture the essence of the benefits of dealing with you before people have to scroll for themselves? And number one, that was be clearer, answer the question. Number two, accessibility is no longer an option. So research website plugins, they are now plenty. We're very lucky in the UK and the US and so on. Lots of developers um, in, on this video. Phil um, recommends accessibility, but you know you can choose whatever you want, but make sure that your website is accessible. There's no barrier to information. Number three, interestingly, to really, really build trust and credibility and to attract the right customers, you need better photography. 
and Phil insists he means better, beautiful photography. Number four, make your call to action pages really stand out. And oddly, it's about simplicity, which is fascinating. So it's a big advocate of simplicity, clarity, and impact. Choose your word carefully. Choose a number of boxes carefully. Choose photography carefully to make this action page stand out so that it shows you've taken care and not just simply copy and paste a template. And number five, Follow accepted website best practices. So know that audiences have informed website managers, oddly, and designers. So the position of the logo, the navigation, the naming of the navigation, the way the blog layout has been kind of put together, the kind of resources, the number of pages, all those things that you see almost um, appearing regularly online are born out of studying what audiences want by people with vast amount of budgets and resources. And Phil Palin is saying, why wouldn't you just emulate what the pros are doing? And one way to do that, um, as we recommend, Johnny, is to listen to, obviously, our kind of adventures in the world of websites, but also to do a good scrapbooking where if you come across something you like the look of, save it for your own deliberation. So here are five things or secrets to improve on website this year, according to Phil Palin. Yeah, I I think that's a brilliant list because... it's actually going right back to basics, some of this stuff, but it's not always uh, obvious and not. Uh, and but but as I'm as I'm listening to you, Pascal, talk through those five points, they all connect so well together um, in terms of uh, not just the what how people feel and what the actions they might do, but also what Google thinks of the website and mm. and whether you know whether it's going to rank you well. But if you're ticking some of these boxes, there's there's some really good stuff in here. You know, you've got milliseconds to grab someone's attention. So saying who you are and why, you know, why should I care? Uh it, you've got to grab me within a milli you know, milliseconds. So so I think that's really important. The accessibility point of view not just so many different devices and different uh, uh, screen sizes, but as I said, tick an accessibility box, Google's going to like you a lot more. Mm. But the the one big one that jumped out to me is is photography. Mm. And I was doing a website, uh, so I was given a a website brief only uh, last week, looking for a a price for a new website. We're talking talking tens of thousands of of pounds in terms of budget. We're not talking a small website. Any mention of photographs? No, not a single mention wow. of images. And it's like, do you realize the power of an image? Do you, you know, if you if you just think about when you're buying something on on online, even, um, and you're looking at product images, the image makes all the difference. It it it, it rightly or wrongly the image sells the product the quality of the image and so yeah it's about you know let's get rid of stock images let's get real pictures but bloody good ones and for me and and that's where phil is going is that the effort you've put into the research or reflection the the briefing of a photographer or at least you know if you bought something and the effort you've put in is a reflection on your own care in running the business, looking after customers and so on. People will make the link between the way it feels to visit your website and the future experience. And what is interesting is those those five things 
are super easy to do as well. You may need yeah. some uh, feedback, you know, from an audience, from uh, you know, people who are not in the business necessarily. But it's very, very easy. And and, and nowadays there are so many templates and and apps that you can um, you can look into, which gives me a perfect kind of lean uh, leading to our next segment, the website engine room. Now, please understand that the app or the software doesn't make the website manager, but you know nowadays it would be difficult not to improve our productivity, our understanding of what to do without using online solutions. So, Johnny, what is your selection for this week? Yeah, so one of the things that a lot of people don't consider is the emails that the website sends. So, for example, if you fill out a form or if you purchase a product on a website, the website then sends automated emails to say, you know, thanks for filling this form out. Someone will be in contact. Or perhaps it says, thanks for your order. Here's your order history. And those are those are what we call transactional emails. And in a lot of cases, the transactional emails are just uh, sent from the website on the website server this leads to two things the first things it first first thing it leads to is really poor deliverability so the chance of you receiving of your users receiving these transactional emails is actually really really low if they've been sent from the website on the website server the second thing is that what you're not helping google uh, here is um, you're causing it to see spam coming from the web server. Some of these emails will be classed as spam because of, especially because of the way they're being sent from the web server. And that web server has an IP address and that IP address can end up getting blacklisted, which has a huge knock-on impact on where you rank in Google for your website. So it's all about solving two issues. It's about making sure that those emails get into the inbox and it's about protecting your website's uh, trustworthiness uh, and uh, an authority and, and 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 respect by taking those transactional emails out of the equation completely. So I rec- recommend a, an app called uh, Postmark. It's by Active Campaign. It's really cheap. I mean, we're talking sort of ten dollars a month, but it ta- you know for for we're talking hundreds of thousands of emails before you need to go up to the next level. Um, but it ensures the deliverability and it. It protects the reputation. So transactional emails, never thought about in a lot of cases. Mm. Make sure you deal with them. Thank you very much. You're right. And this is what we need to do, all of us. It could be the weapon manager. It could be people in charge of customer service. Can you literally walk in the shoes of your customers from start to finish, but a proper finish? And there's far too many uh, elements of the customer experience that is automated. And and we've got to you know override that where possible. So for me, my reflection has been about the news of the advance of AI, ChatGPT, and all the others, Bard. but not in a manner that, yeah, Bard and Claude. I'm told there's another one coming as well, and Autopilot, or Copilot, should I say, and Canva, who had their conference a few days ago. Um, and f- for me, it's not so much about use them to be able to cheat and write better content, not better content, but more content and just submerge the interweb with white noise. It's more to do with the ability for people to check you out and the verification phase of making a decision. So I've been on the website, uh, I'm nearly there, 90% convinced, but I've got a 10% of doubt because maybe in the past, someone like you let me down or you know maybe there's something else. So what all those AI-powered solutions will be able to do is invite me as a customer to check you out thoroughly, 
because it's not going to be as inconvenient, oddly, as trying to find the right phrase on, on Google. I can just paraphrase what I'm looking for against your business. I can, in time, use a voice and just say it as it comes to my mind and ask for the platform to give me a summary of the people in the business, the recent performance, has there been any complaint recently, what's uh, star ratings. I can get all of that without having to search you know, extensively so that the the gentle pressure on all of us is to create more meaningful content, more timely content. And the challenge is come up with ideas for that. So the platform I want to recommend as part of this episode of the website, Engine Room, is Answer the Public. And Answer the Public is a search engine for what people search for on the internet. And it's there to give you inspiration, it's there to give you ideas about the next article, the next white paper, the next course, next kind of free resource you want to create. Um, I'd recommend then that you certainly explore the different sections and segments, perhaps supported by an AI-powered solution, but then you've got to write it yourself or you've got to record, as we have today, it yourself and so on. Because on one hand, whilst you've got some AI solutions that will potentially allow you to cheat and create content for you, you've got platform like Google and many others who can verify whether or not this was written by a person and they can actually penalize you in the future. So I see what I had to say about it. But for me, my position, Johnny, is that uh, your customers will be in even more p- better position to check you out because all they have to say is a vague sentence like, tell me, give me a summary of what Johnny Ross has been up to for the last two years. That could be as vague as that, and the answers would be right there in front of them. So this is my selection for the website engine room. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And and there's nothing wrong with getting a bit of help from AI whatsoever. It can help with the structure. It can help coming up, you know, the mental block, all sorts of stuff. But make sure you tailor it. Make sure you add that human touch. Make sure you you make sure you edit the words to to really uh, use your language and your users' language, your audience's language. But yeah, I, 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 it's so easy to 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 check someone out, and it's the first thing I do. You know, every time I'm looking for a new supplier or or uh, a new business, it, you know, I always look at uh, in Google to to find out more about them. Always, absolutely, and and we get to a position where everybody's going to have their own kind of digital assistant, but th- the way in which those AI solutions can summarize content from disparate sources is just incredible. So better be ready by having produced the content in advance, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Talking of doing things and and kind of giving people homework, let's move on, if you don't mind, to our final segment, the website call to action. So at the end of the show, Johnny and I like to give you one change, one adjustment that could make a huge difference to your website. So Johnny, what would you like people to do this week? So I'm thinking if you can boost your local traffic, that's going to have an impact on your national and international traffic. It's a best practice. So how can you boost your local traffic? One quick, simple, easy tip is actually just create a bit more locally targeted content on your website, whether that's a list of local events, maybe it's uh, places to go and see, uh, or maybe it's working with a local charity. Just that bit of extra local content that really helps the relevance for the likes of Google and Bing to understand where you are in the world and, uh, and, and start creating content around that. And that can help your rankings, not just locally, but internationally as well, because Google and Bing start liking you and using you more. So quick tip, call to action, 
increase your local targeted content on your website. Thank you very much. I want to build on what I've just said a moment ago about using Answer the Public. But before you go about creating new content, my recommendation for the website Call to Action is to go back to last year. Can you look at your 2022 stats on the website and more and find the, the articles and the sales pages who have performed well? And I would do an exercise to relaunch those websites with newer media content, maybe some fresher and bigger images, maybe going back to the optimization with the keyword research, perhaps as I've seen people do, if it's a longish article or blog post, do an audio version or do a quick 60 second summary using video. Perhaps you want to create some clearer subheaders, add some sub uh, kind of secondary images. There's so much you can do to do what I called repurposing up. Everybody knows about repurposing down, which is essentially to take an article and create extracts. But actually, if something is performing well and you have the data to prove it, then keep making this page work harder for your website. Start to feel even prouder of that particular page by adding additional content and expanding on the point you made maybe six or 12 months ago. Yeah. Always always good to go back and have a look at what's worked and uh, and just make it work even harder. There's no point reinventing the wheel if it's already there. Absolutely. And that, that's the point. So look at um, you know previously what you've done, make it work harder and introduce the new stuff as well. Well, what a podcast uh, full of great stuff every time. I mean, you know, we just, we love sharing this stuff, don't we? And, and the more we talk about it, the more it sort of like, makes sense it just makes sense uh we want to say that's all for today this was episode three of our new podcast series the audio companion to to the 90 day website mastery program for more information please visit 90daymarketingmastery.com you'll be able to book a call with either myself or Pascal. Uh, we will be back with another episode. In the meantime, feel free to send your questions, share your preferred apps and links to websites once you've uh, made the changes and we'll have a look and, and uh, see what we think. We might even give you a shout out. Yes. But, but listen, guys, bye for now. And we'll leave you with a fun video and audio montage whilst you go through your notes and actions. See you all soon. Take care. Thank you.